You're listening to your superpowered mind on the Superpower Up podcast, the show that investigates the innate power within your brain to create lasting change. Hello, everyone. Welcome to your superpowered mind. I am your host, Kristen Maxwell. And in this show, we explore the process of transformation and give you tools and strategies that you can use to transform your own life. Today, I am very excited to be talking to Mehran Sarurian about the challenges surrounding immigration, or in other words, the challenges of adapting to a new culture when you feel like you are on the outside. And I am really excited to be exploring with her um, both her own story and how she arose to the challenges and also how she helps other people. What are some of the shifts and mindset and beliefs that help anybody, whether they're immigrants or just feel on the outside? to survive and thrive. So let me give you a little bit about her background. At age 19, Mehran emigrated to the United States where she faced a number of challenges, including cultural differences, language barriers, financial challenges, and lack of supportive family and just acceptance generally. Despite these challenges, Mehran was able to thrive achieving a master's degree in science and um, obtaining an incredibly successful job in biotech. But she still faced challenges around communication. Mehran eventually left her corporate job and went back to school and then founded a business to support other, um, to support cultural awareness and other immigrants in their uh, adaptation to the United States and new situations. Mehran, welcome to your superpowered mind. Thank you, Kristen, for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you. And I should mention that I met Mehran actually in Toastmasters, and she is an incredible speaker, an amazing speaker. So any any language and communication difficulties she had, they're gone. Anyway, that's a complete non sequitur. But <laughs> thank you, thank I you. Still, that was very generous. No, I still remember your your first couple speeches. Wowed everybody. But anyway, I want to get into to your story. But I'm going to ask you first, always my first question, which is, what superpower did you uncover as the result of mastering your mind? Um, I was thinking about that for some time and, you know, to figure out which one was the most important one. I I, I had a bit of a struggle, but I want to say that knowing that I had a choice and I had a choice to uh, make and then also speak up to it and do so strategically. Um, for some of your audience, it might be it might be obvious that they have a choice, right? But for me, as a woman raised in the Middle East, in a very male-dominant family, this was unimaginable. Every decision had to be made by the male in the house. 
add hierarchy to this patriarchy and you kind of get a sense of what my childhood was like. Um, basically, everything that daddy said happened. And when my dad wasn't around, it was my two older brothers. So I had one brother, I have one brother who is eight years older than me, and then another one that is four years um, older to me. So they pretty much decided, you know, what to wear, how to talk, how to even stand, what career to choose and who to become. And it, it, it was it was normal. You know, it was normal. I don't want to say this in a negative way. It was just I, right now, you know, the things that they said would have been kind of uh, aggression. It would be considered as uh, aggression. But really, they cared for me uh, as the woman in the family. Um, in our culture uh, back in Iran, I was... Um, if they didn't do so, we would think that women would think that, you know, their, their father didn't care about them or their brothers didn't care about them. So it was like somewhat of a synonymous to love and care. That's this controlling behavior. And uh, I remember it's funny when I was growing up, I was always wearing these loose fitting clothes because my brothers weren't comfortable with, you know, what I wore. Um, and um, I remember that one day one of them noticed that, you know, my breasts were growing a little bit. And he goes like, why are you, you know, having your chest up, just hunch over a little bit, you know, um, and kind of fold your shoulders, you know, inward so that, you know, your doesn't show. Right. And for a very long time, I struggled with that, with that posture, right. And being feminine and, you know, showing what, what was normal. Right. So going back to the story, and this is this is my, you know, young adulthood. I got married really young. Um, again, the choice was made by my family, by my father and my brothers. And I don't call it an arranged marriage, mm -hmm. but in many ways it, it was. And I call it convinced marriage to kind of please you know, them and my husband, because it hurts his feeling to call it a range. But um, <laughs> in many ways, you know, it was. Um, I, I was upset about this. And, you know, we talked for a very long time, uh, you know, for me to um, agree to marry my current husband, who we have been together for 24 years. And now it's a choice, right? Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, in our culture, again, once you say yes, then you stay married for a very long time. So, you know, that yes, that I said meant that I would be with my husband for the rest of my life. Um, he decided to come to the States. I didn't want to come to the state. Again, another decision that was not made by me. And, you know, life was like that. You know, we came, we had, as you mentioned, a lot of financial difficulty. We had, you know, $3,000 in our pockets and four suitcases, and that was it. We migrated right after 9-11, and that has a story of itself, we got our, I got our visa before 9-11, but my husband was supposed to get his on 9-11, and we don't have an embassy in Iran, so he had to go to Dubai, and when he arrived, he heard the news, and he saw it on the news, so mm. for a very long time, like not very long time, what it seemed to be a very long time, Everyone was like, you know, Mehran, you need to go. You need to go without your husband and, you know, he's going to join you. And I was like, I don't even want to go, right? I don't want it. 
I don't want to leave my family. I don't want to um, go, but we came anyways, right? Um, we both um, went to school. We went through so much to be where we are at. And, um, you know, um, anywhere, any decision that we made around schooling and where to go and careers, I always automatically put my husband first and he decided, you know, which, which schools to go to, where to go for work and all of that. And, you know, I don't want to say that all of it was aware decisions. A lot of it was unaware. Like I followed, I didn't say much. That's why I said in the beginning, you know, I don't know if it is the the choice was more important or to be speaking up about it was more important. So, you know, through time, education, being around, uh, you know, different minded people and the community um, school counselors and, you know, so much more I learned about not only my choices, but how to decide and exercise them. And in, in, in so many ways, I have to say this, I'm very grateful for having gone through the migration process because it taught me so much. It taught me so much about my ability and about my resilience and, you know, how to be, uh, to, how to persevere, right, mm-hmm. and have grit in achieving what I want to achieve. And it took me a very long time to be able to speak up and say, okay, here is my boundary. Here's what I do like to do. Here's what I don't like to do. And I don't feel that I still mastered that completely because it feels like, you know, peeling an onion, right? Mm-hmm. Every layer I peel, I, you know, find something else. And I, um, and because it's cultural, right? It takes time. It takes a lot of energy and there's a lot of um, tears because, you know, it's a part of you. It's, it's, and, and when you're an immigrant, you want to keep that culture as much as possible because that, that sen- that gives you that sense of belonging. So mm. it has been difficult. It has been difficult to disentangle from the parts of it that didn't serve me. But in many ways, I feel very grateful to have gone through that um, journey and to be where I am and to do what I do. I mean, this makes me pure joy, uh, makes me super happy and gives me pure joy, you know, every day that I wake up and see what I can do, what I'm capable of and the decisions that I make. Um, So, yeah. Wow. That's quite a, a moving story. And it is such an interesting thing that, that that different cultural perspective, because it never occurred to me that I didn't have a choice and the power. And my parents were very, very forward thinking. Like it really, I went on and became an attorney. And I think it, it wasn't till my mid twenties when being a lawyer, when I finally discovered that men wouldn't necessarily listen to me and that I had mm-hmm. to really, I had to really push it like, and then be extra firm and strong until I got their respect, mm-hmm. which, which is such a different perspective. Okay. Well, we are going to have to take a break, but you know, before we get to go more into, I want to I would love to talk more about decisions. I want to talk more about what the challenges of immigration are. Well, you know, talking what you mentioned the, you know, 
changing and evolving while still not wanting to let go of your other culture. And I forgot to mention that you have a podcast. So can you let people know where your podcast is and where they can find you? Sure. Um, they could go to my site. It's uh, com, and my podcast is there. But the name of my podcast, I always tell people, I joke about it. I say, I'm not the greatest when it comes to naming. So it's empowering conversations with a Z at the end, but they can find it almost anywhere, including my website. Okay. And Mehran, spell the name of your website, M-E-H-R-A-N-S.com. Correct. M-E-H-R-A-N-S. Correct. Perfect. I always am listening while I'm driving, so I need to see that right there. Okay. Hang on, people. We will be right back, and we will dig some more into these interesting topics around immigration and learning the power of making your own decisions. The Superpower Experience goes way beyond the podcast. Listeners can connect with hosts and one another inside the Superpower Universe Plus membership. Members get access to high vibe connections, superpower masterclasses, and much, much more. Don't wait another moment to step into your superpowers. Go to superpowerexperts.com and sign up today. Welcome back, everyone. This is your superpowered mind. I am Kristen Maxwell, and we are talking to Mehran Sarurian. So, Mehran. I'm not even sure where I want to go with this because there's so many different places, but how did you have the strength to come over as a young, protected person and start developing your own voice? Like, how did that process, I'm imagining you must have had pushback from your husband and your family, and your own self. So how, how did that go? Um, that's a good story. I mean, it's um, uh, I wasn't really, I didn't really choose, as I said, you know, to come here. So the push was external. My husband really chose for us to come here. He always dreamed of, you know, coming to the U.S. and completing his education. I didn't. I wanted to stay close to my family. I have two brothers and a young sister, and I love them to death. I mean, even thinking about them right now, you know, um, it's hard. And it's been like 20 years I've, um, I migrated. So it was never a choice um, at the beginning. But I remember being here uh, three months after we came in, it was just an overwhelming amount of difficulties that we were facing. I mean, it was right after 9-11. My husband had difficulty finding a job and it was just so difficult. And, you know, the $3,000 that we brought, we decided to leave some of the money um, that we had. We had a very comfortable life back home. Um, my father-in-law had uh, gave us a place to live and we had a full furnished house in one of the best um, locations in the in our city, Shiraz, and I um, we had two cars, so we had a really comfortable life. And we sold our cars and you know packed our stuff in my mom's um, extra room, and we said we're going to come back. And you know we we really did want to come go back. And um, we sold the cars and we invested some of the money 
um, in a business back there because we had this intention of going back someday, right? So we only brought, you know, so little with us. So there was a lot of difficulty around, you know, financially, especially, and, you know, being away from family and, you know, the not knowing the language and, and not knowing whereabouts. I remember the first um, thing we did from that $3,000, my husband, um, this is this, this is the type of man he is, uh, by the way, um, he, he signed me up for a community college to learn the language and we paid $1,200 for that. So that's, you know, that's mm-hmm. how it went. Um, and we were really struggling. And he said, I remember he said, let's go back. It was like three, three or so months after we came. And I said, nope. We're going to stay here and we're going to make sure that we have tried every avenue before we um, go back. Because going back without trying everything would seem like a failure. Nothing is going to change. And, you know, and and you're going to always think about this being your dream. I mean, you know, I'm going to, you know, endure whatever it is going on, but we're going to make sure that we give it our very best. And if we can't um, make it, then we go back. And, you know, with that sense, you always succeed wherever you are, right? Um, We went on and, uh, you know, like I said, I started learning language and um, I I started doing community college. And as, as you mentioned, I did my master's in biology. He did his PhD in computer science. And little by little, right, little by little, we climbed the ladders. We He got a job at Mount Sinai in New York. Then from Texas, we moved to New York. And then I also got a job um, in the same um, institution. And then uh, again, you know, his career moved us to San Diego. And that's where we got the money that we, um, I told you about that we invested some of the money. We asked my parents to sell that, you know, property and they did and gave us the money to be able to buy our first house. This is like a 10 year journey that I told you in a couple of minutes, but, um, but it was very difficult. You know, there were, there were many nights that we, um, you know, that we cried through the nights. Um, many, we, we didn't have anything. I mean, you know, I have people come in on my podcast and tell me about about not having anything I have experienced at firsthand. We literally had a TV, a TV stand and a uh, and a bed. That's all. I mean, you know, we sat on the ground. We did everything, um, everything on the ground. And I remember one of my um, family friends came over and he saw our house and I think they went and, you know, talked to my parents that, you know, this is the life that they're living in. But we didn't, we didn't want to ask for money. You know, we didn't want to, uh, we wanted to, you know, keep our pride. And we did. My dad, you know, helped us a little bit and supported us and uh, wherever he could. Right. Um, but it was, it was very difficult. Um, I want to say the first 10 years until we got our permanent residency and, um, you know, um, felt the um, ability that we could go and get any job that we wanted to. It took a very long time. 
uh, like I said, it was 10 years. Uh, it was right about um, six or seven years that, um, I think it was seven years that we asked our parents to sell our um, belongings, which was like, you know, all these beautiful furniture that my parents bought us for our wedding. And, um, and it, it was, it was, I, I remember that moment. I, I, I remember now I actually went back because my parents wouldn't do it without me. I went back and making that decision and knowing that I, that this is done and I'm going to live forever in another country that by itself was a difficult decision, a difficult moment. And, you know, I want to say a huge transition. Um, but yeah, again, if I go back, I wouldn't change a thing about it. Maybe I would, you know, more comfortably ask my parents about giving us some financial support or, you know, helping us out. But that was it. Um, everything else happened for a reason. It built our strength. It built our um, characters. And um, yeah, we are, I want to say we have a um, very comfortable life. My husband and I contributed to the science and the, um, the, the, the community in so many different ways. And, um, you know, we, we call this, we call San Diego and U.S. home. Yeah. Yeah, I can, that, that took some strength. I, I'm one, you know, it seems one of the things that, I don't know if it made it easier or harder for you that you could go back because there's that constant decision of, do we keep going or do we, we couldn't go back? We couldn't go back for the six and a half years that we were here. We couldn't go back. Actually, I missed my brother's wedding. I missed my brother's, um, my niece's um, birth. I missed so many events. No, mm -hmm. we couldn't go back for the first six and a half years because our visa was a single entry visa. So it was that, you know, six and a half years post we went that uh, post our, you know, arrival to the state that we went back and made that decision that, no, we're going to call this home and, you know, we can sell our stuff and, uh, you know, uh, complete that kind of chapter yeah and so how did you start to recognize that you yourself had decisions that you have choices what was that like was that a slow unfolding or was it more as as you know you were in school and all of that that you started to see that for yourself so Perhaps it was a process, it was a progress, right? But the, the biggest moment uh, for me was when I faced a, um, a um, boss that was against a lot of the things that I was trying to unlearn. Um, the moment I met him and I interacted with him, I knew there were so many values, you know, being pushed. And that's when I said, nope, I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm going against it. And, um, you know, I tolerated for some time and six or seven months I tolerated him. But then I was like, there was a moment that I said, no, this is enough. And uh, I quit. And that was the decision 
that um, that was that was the trigger point that I wanted to work on this issue much more aware um, than before. So there was a lot of things happening prior to that, but that moment was when it 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 occurred to me that this is something that I'm having difficulty with. This is what I'm not going to tolerate anymore. And that's when I was like, I need to do something more meaningful than, than science. Yes, science, if I'm lucky, I would be able to contribute to, you know, a drug that goes, you know, in market, but being able to teach um, many women who, men or women, right, who experience the same type of feeling, um, I have much more power in that area. I could have a direct impact. I could break some of these cycles, right? That 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 we teach our children, right? I mean, when we come, you know, from different cultures, right? And we, or not, not even when we are taught different cultures, when we are teaching our children, if it's not aware, we teach our children the same values, right? And that cycle mm-hmm. continues. And I, I didn't want that. I didn't want that. And I have a boy, right? I didn't want to be angry with him for the things that he hasn't done because I would be angry with him, right? If I always felt that male are dominant, if it is always, you know, uh, he's um, I'm the submissive woman, I mean, it would be, it would never be a healthy relationship, right? And um, so, yeah, I mean, um, that, that moment was a trigger moment, but there were, there was a lot, you know, happening prior to that and of course afterwards because I had to be okay with being different right I mean when you're talking about culture and having a a um, a, a child right that you're trying to raise them in a culture that you know you were born and raised in and kind of introduce them to that culture um, you're surrounded by people who share the same values right they were raised just like you were raised right? And, um, and it was difficult, right? I mean, many women of my culture, they were like, I call them like volcanoes, right? That they tolerate, tolerate, tolerate until they erupt, right? You mm-hmm. never know when they erupt. You never know for how long they're going to erupt. You don't know how much damage they're going to they're gonna, um, have, right? On who's going to be impacted. You don't know that, right? So, and, and many of them would feel depressed, right? I didn't want that. And I didn't want that for my child. And I and I was very hesitant to be in these communities, but I had to be. I was very different from them. I was not the normal, you know, woman that many of my friends were. I was not. So um, I was going through these um, the these challenges of, of being different and not feeling like I belong there. And also, you know, when you're going through that, that change that is so huge and it goes to your core, right? It's your culture, right? Um, you want role models. You don't, and I didn't have that, right? I, there was no one that I could say, okay, this person, I want to follow this person. And she has been able to succeed at her work. She has been able to succeed in her relationships. She has a healthy relationship with her children, right? I didn't have that role model and that made it difficult. Plus, right, it was, um, I was in my face or behind my back. I heard people that, you know, 
said things that were similar to the B word, right? I mean, because I was that outspoken woman, right? I was different. And it was difficult. There were many setbacks. There was like many hurt feelings, you know, the day after I would meet people. And, you know, and and sad part was that sometimes even the women, right, that were close to me, I would see how they're being treated and I would be their ally. I would be their support and I would try to stand up for them. But they would be like, nah, we're, we're okay. You know, we're okay. This is this is okay. This behavior is, is okay. That that enraged me, you know. I I could not see that. But, you know, over time, I learned to be the person that cheers for myself. I need to be, I learned to be the different person and be okay with it. Um, and to have, you know, close communities or close friends that accepted me for who I was, appreciated me for all that I was and all I could offer. And hopefully, you know, inspire someone to look up to me and say, you know, maybe one day, maybe one day. I knew the transition took very long time for me. So I was able to uh, be okay with giving them that much time. Um, you know, for some of them, maybe, you know, they need decades, just like, you know, I need it, right? Maybe more, maybe less, maybe never, right? I had to be okay with that. And um, just just respect and accept and um, be there in case they wanted to um, be cheered up for the process that they were going through. But I felt alone many times. And that was difficult. It was difficult coming from the culture that I was coming from, which is all about community. And um, yeah. Yeah. And so with your podcast, are is it your role or your goal to, to be somewhat of a mentor or what's your goal with that? You know, with your work that you're doing now, would you say? So, um, Multiple things, basically. Um, I with my podcast, I um, I I inspire. I inspire, you know, both immigrants and non-immigrants. I think we all know that you know forty percent of Fortune five hundred companies are founded by immigrants and their children. Um, to name a few companies, right? Tesla, Home Depot, uh, Chase, right? Pfizer and Moderna and Zoom, right? I mean, without which we would have not been able to go through. Um, the pandemic and come out of it so relatively successfully, right? So quickly, right? They were all founded by immigrants. But mm-hmm. a lot of times, the same immigrants forget that they have so much potential, right? They get entangled in that um, cultural shock. They get entangled in that, you know, not knowing the language. Um, the English language, you know, not being fluent, and they lose their they lose their confidence, right, along the way, and they forget about their potential. So, I with that podcast, I tried to remind them to um, to look up to these individuals, and if it's not me that mentor, then there is that other person who is also an immigrant who has also gone through some of their journey, right, and who's from another country. If they if they can um, model the other person, hey, I did my part as well, right? Not not everyone has to follow my path. Not everyone has to follow my journey, right? 
um, then that's what um, we do with our stories, right? Each story um, could inspire one person, right, or more. So um, with the podcast, we also do, um, you know, besides the the um, inspiration, we also get them in contact with the resources that they might not be aware that it's available to them, right? It's it's, it's education, right? Um, and also uh, remind them that, you know, the creativity that they could bring to this country is, that does matter. Their entrepreneurship, their entrepreneurial um, skills that they have developed, you know, along the way does matter. Their voice does matter. And it does matter in, you know, building a safe, more prosperous, more inclusive America, and ultimately a more compassionate world, right? I mean, um, if you listen to some of our podcasts, uh, we see that, there are immigrants that once they come here and they realize their power, they go back and build communities in their original countries to improve their lives. So United States had a huge impact on them and their life and indirectly on people's lives outside uh, of the state. So this is inspirational. I mean, you know, if this, this doesn't move someone, I don't know what would, but um, this is what we keep, you know, trying to remind them. But I don't want to say that it's only for immigrants because it's not. I think um, I have an episode that resembles immigration and the pandemic. And uh, many immigrant friends contacted me and said, Nehran, you you explained that beautifully. And that that's very true because, you know, through the pandemic, we were alone. We had to learn so many new skills and so many you know, ways we had to start from zero. And that's what, you know, immigrants are good at, right? So um, people, you know, non-immigrant friends can, they could um, listen to our stories and get, you know, inspired by this community. And um, in case someone feels like, you know, uh, immigrants are there to steal their jobs, they could see their contributions and A, you know, um, appreciate them. Or learn back some of the skills that their ancestors, right, had used to build this great country, right? Because it takes, they say that it takes four generations for complete assimilation. So I'm sure many of your um, listeners have some sort of a, you know, immigrant uh, blood running through their veins. So, you know, this is a way that they could connect uh, with their um, with their ancestors, you know, to see yeah. what was, you know, those um strength and then um also like it's cultural awareness right um how you could see um migration through someone else's lens rather than the tv right Right. um you know what they have experienced and and you know in many ways how can we be more grateful right toward what we have that was just given to us by birth right um, many people go through, you know, years of, um, you know, difficulty to be a U.S. citizen. And, you know, my son, for example, he was just because he was born in, you know, in, in a hospital he, mm-hmm. in U.S., he's granted that. So I think in many ways it, it helps. It educates us and um, the, the community at large and see if 
someone want to be an ally to an immigrant because, you know, their language fluency is not that great because they feel the need to, to speak up or to be helped. I think it adds another layer of education, you know, but of course it doesn't, we shouldn't uh, ever end, you know, my podcast. Yeah. Yes. I love this. And it's so there's just so much here to pick up. It's and it's just reminding me of when we hear other people's stories, we are just brought back to remembering that we are all human. Yes. And we all have similar desires for connection and community and stability. And change is hard. Mm-hmm. It it's um, and it's something that we all still can rise to. And that's what you're, you're showing with your own story, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. So Thank we you. are actually out of time. If you can believe it, I was just oh sitting here. You'll notice I just sat and listened to you a lot because that was very interesting. So thank you. Um, remind people again, if you will, where your podcast is and where they can find, you know, some of your work is around bringing this cultural awareness. Yeah. Um, actually I tell people that I'm like a, an iceberg, so I'm not the greatest when it comes to showing off all the things that I do, but they could, um, they could start learning about me by, um, you know, um, going to my website, www.mehrans.com, M-E-H-R-A-N-S.com. And my podcast is there. And through my podcast, I tell people about the new journey that I also took to empower Native experts to, you know, be able to teach their expertise virtually and earn side money. Maybe we could talk about that later on. But um, but yeah, I'm very passionate about all that I do and, um, you know, contribute to the community that really helped me uh, be the woman I am. Yeah. Thank you. That is lovely. Thank you for coming and sharing your story. Thank you for the work you're doing in the world with your podcast, with the awareness, with what you're teaching to people in terms of getting their own entrepreneurial skills out into the world. Um, So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Of course. And listeners, I am so thankful to you Uh, and grateful that you show up for yourselves. And until next time, go out and remember that you do hold the power to change and transform your world. Are you ready to discover your superpowers? Go now to superpowerexperts.com and take the superpower quiz today. 